Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. What's your strategy for boosting your profit margins? In the current industry landscape, margins are slim due to declining reimbursements and the rising cost of doing business. Breakthrough has just released a new course, Profitability Under Pressure. This 13-week masterclass focuses on five key areas in your practice that can help you increase your profits. We'll guide you through creating a financial plan, which is a step overlooked by many other practices. You'll also learn how to renegotiate insurance contracts, evaluate whether cutting ties with lower payers is beneficial, and how to add cash pay services to improve your lifetime patient value. By the end of this course, you'll have improved control over your profit margins and a clear roadmap for future growth. This program is exclusively for private practice owners. You must apply to be accepted. No hops or pops practices. Click the link below to get started. Super excited to share with you uh, the three best lessons uh, that I've had uh, and I, that I've had from my three mentors. So again, uh, over the course of the last 15 years, I've uh, again cheated to some degree. I don't try to reinvent the wheel. I try to uh, go out and uh, I believe it's called life hacking, um, but I, I try to learn from others so I don't have to uh, extend out my my learning curve uh, with 100% experience that I can learn from the wisdom of others. And uh, I found three very good mentors. And uh, here at the end, if we have some time, I'll share with you how I found them. But um, the first one is, uh, we'll call him the back mountain roofer in the plaid shirt. And his name is uh, Gary. Uh, he's actually uh, the father of my best friend growing up. His big lesson was um, respect money. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, you know, don't waste it. And he said, you know, he sees a lot of people who just, they, whatever their income is, they're spending all of their income plus more trying to keep up with what other people are doing. And he said, you know, it's a, it's a big error and um, it's a lot of people do it and we hear about it and we think that we can get by it with common sense, but it's very easy to fall into. And, uh, you know, the, like I shared with you Previously, when Steph and I lived in the development, we just kind of, we saw that, that, hey, if we went out and we got a certain vehicle or somebody else got a certain vehicle, that there was jealousy, envy, like those uh, misemotions that we didn't really want to deal with. And then um, we didn't want our, our children to fall into that as well, where it's like, hey, you got A, I need to get A plus, um, you know, and, and one up our neighbor. So, um, that was uh, the first part of his lesson, what he meant with respect money. And the other thing that I think he does, uh, amazingly well is share with those less fortunate. So he's almost like a champion for, uh, the underdog. And, you know, uh, th the other thing that I like about, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's lessons for the five financial IQs is that he considers, you know, tithing, charity, goodwill, um, asset building. And I, I, really think it is. And I, I don't think it's, you know, there's the superficial thing of what most people think, which is the reason that we're asset building um, with through donations is so that we can, you know, we make these amazing connections and we get more business. Well, 
I, I don't think the universe really works like that if, if that is the intention. And I think the, the universe or the invisible hand, if you're reading Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations or whatever it is, um, there, there's a, you know, like it's almost like a mystical force uh, that, you know, usually those of us in the, that are scientists uh, like I am in the Western Hemisphere don't really want to acknowledge. But, you know, there, there is something with like when we flow money to um, those less fortunate, believe it or not, there is like the, the universe gives us other responsibilities. And, um, you know, it, it's, you know, if you're religious or spiritual, it's basically how, you know, how can I be used um, to do more good in the world? And uh, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's a, a great thing to be a part of. And then the other thing that he said was, you know, grow your net worth. So going back to that, you know, where uh, poor and middle class people, people who maybe even have high incomes, but never build true long term wealth, they focus on spending. So they focus on, you know, buying things with expenses, with expenses that are literally liabilities. And usually it's to keep up with the Joneses. Joneses. So it's belonging to the best country club. And the fees that are associated with that, it's buying the, you know, one hundred and ten thousand uh, dollar Mercedes, and uh, you know, keeping up with the image that they're trying to portray, um, rather than investing in the, those that are less fortunate. Or, uh, you know, number one priority of people with wealth is growing their uh, net worth and buying assets. The uh, so. Uh, this is my second mentor. Uh, this is a picture of, the, it was the two of us, but I cropped myself out and it's, we were at game six of the 2013 NBA finals. Uh, and we were 20 rows from the court. We sat behind uh, Lenny Kravitz and it was when Ray Allen hit the three, which he did right in front of us, hit the three from the corner uh, from the Chris Bosch rebound that sent the game into overtime. They went on in game seven and beat the San Antonio Spurs. Again, that's back in 2013. So this is a picture of us. Um, Ernie is 82, 83 years old um, and has had an amazingly successful career in um, life insurance. And also he's a broker for uh, financial securities. So a really, really smart guy. Um, um, and uh, a, a phenomenal people person. So we get together for lunch once a month. We've been doing so since 2000, 2001. Um, and he just drops knowledge and life bombs on me <laughs> constantly. And I love it. I, I eat it up. So I asked him the same question. Uh, and what's like one lesson that you would want to pass along? Oddly enough, he said, respect money. <laughs> I was like, Okay, so what do you mean by that? And he said, you know, for me, um, and he said, from my perspective, I, I've seen a lot of people with the ability to earn an income, and they think that's always going to be there. They take it for granted. And he said, you know, they, they never really prepare for the day when they can no longer produce. So maybe right now they're working 50 to 60 hours a week, but they think they're going to be able to do that for 30 years or 40 years, and that never happens. Now, this is coming from a guy who's in his 80s and is still working. So, uh, pretty profound statement, but he doesn't work today like he did 40 years ago. So 40 years ago, he was able to work 60, 70 hours a week. Um, now he works 20, 30, 40 hours a week. It seems to me like he's always working, but, um, 
you know, that capacity isn't there. And I think it's really, really intelligent wisdom. And he said, you know, specifically like a lot of winners and pro athletes. Um, and by the way, he used to, uh, work with a ton of the Baltimore Colts, which then became the Indianapolis Colts. And now he's a, uh, huge Baltimore Ravens fan since they've been here, I think for the last 20 years or so. Uh, but, uh, uh, has dealt with a lot of pro athletes. And he said, you know, the, the problem is most never learn how to solve financial problems. People get this windfall, including high income earners, including physical therapists, including physicians, including, um, you know, high income earners in healthcare, and they never learn how to solve financial problems. The only thing they've ever solved is go to school, get a good education, get a degree, get a license, and earn high income. They never really solve financial problems. They think they're going to be able to be an anesthesiologist for 50 years, and it doesn't work that way. And he said, you know, most people never prepare for the day that they can't really do anything. That's the importance of taking that money that you earn over on the left side of the cash flow quadrant, which is employee and self-employed income, converting it over to the business owner and um, investor side where you have money working for you or you have a business working for you. And he said, you know, most lot of winners and pro athletes, high income earners never learn how to do that. So really cool lesson from a guy that's been around the block and uh, has seen a lot of the world. So pretty cool lesson there. And the third one is, uh, so this is uh, for the last mm, 12 years, I've had a, uh, my third mentor is um, has four Ivy League degrees from three Ivy League schools. Uh, they would be Penn, Wharton, which is the business school at Penn, and then uh, Harvard. So uh, probably the smartest person I've ever uh, had the opportunity to have a conversation with one-on-one. And uh, we get together maybe once or twice a year for uh, lunch or dinner. And it's usually a pretty long conversation, maybe like two and a half, three hours. Um, but, uh, the, the one thing that, you know, he's really focused a lot of impressing upon me is the power of exponential growth. And, you know, roughly that the graph on the right represents exponential growth. And the formula for that is Y equals X to the nth, where Y, the Y axis is money and the X axis is time. And basically what happens uh, like this is the, you know, the story of the librarian who's never earned more than twenty thousand dollars a year, but yet retires with a million dollars. And it's, um, you know, if you invest early and often in asset building, uh, over time you get to the point where way out on the x-axis, way out in time, twenty, thirty, forty years in, um, your your asset money is earning so much cash flow that you can't possibly spend it. Uh, that's what's happened here, uh, where I'm at with the Hershey trust fund. So that's, uh, Milton Hershey. Uh, when he passed away, he gave his entire estate to the Hershey trust. And basically, you know, they're earning, uh, the, the last I saw it, the fund was well over a billion dollars and the fund is literally earning millions and millions of dollars every year. I think it's 50 to hundred million dollars a year and they can't possibly spend that interest. Uh, fast enough in the original vision that Milton Hershey had. Really, really cool problem to have. Um, but what happens typically is that if we're very early on the curve, so the left-hand side of the graph, so 
year zero or year one. We see people way out 20, 30, 40, 50 years into the into their y equals x to the nth curve, their income producing asset uh, producing curve, and we say, wow, like that person just grew their income, or you know, they just earned twenty million dollars in this past year. I wanted, I, like, I want that. So again, that's that error where we see people that are way out there, and we we see them as an overnight success, and we don't see the twenty or twenty five, thirty years of struggle and hard work that that person has been through. And then what we try to do is replicate what we see them doing, and usually that's buying a nice car, buying a vacation house, and we think that those types of actions are what is going to cause a success. And that is a huge fallacy. It's a huge error, and it gets a lot of people in financial trouble. And he said, you know, the the greater thing, so, and this specific conversation that we were having one night, uh, where we literally spent, I think it was two hours and 45 minutes we spent on this idea, is that of um, growing a commercial real estate portfolio. And he came from the experience of grow- going from zero to $180 million commercial real estate portfolio in 22 years, which is amazingly impressive. Um, and you know what he helped me do with his guidance was go from a zero to a $6 million portfolio in, um, in 12 years. So really, really cool. Um, the, uh, and the idea behind it is that, you know, that you, that you see it through, that you see the growth and that, um, you continue on the pathway, you persevere on the pathway and you don't get distracted by what people behind you are doing on the X axis or what people far in front of you on the X axis that are way out there that are earning you know, $20 million a year more this year than they earned last year, that you give yourself time to get there and you just persevere through your course. So another um, really, really cool lesson. So you can't possibly make this graph happen if you're earning all of your income as an employee. The only way that you can make y equals to the x or y equals x to the nth happen is if you're taking money first from your income, whether it's employment, self-employed, business owner, investor income, and that you're going back in your buying assets. Because, you know, if in year one, I buy 4,000 square feet, and in year two, I buy another 4,000 square feet, well, now I'm earning uh, double the income, hypothetically. The next year, I can take that income and go out and buy two more office buildings. So now I have four, and I almost create like a Fibonacci sequence of investment growth, and it's exponential growth. Uh, You probably have if you're on this curve and you know you're 10 years, 20 years, 30 years in, um, and you've done well and you've constantly done uh, asset reinvestment and have bought cash flowing assets, um, if you've done that, you know you can get to the point where there's a good enough is good enough. And you know for me, it's I have a certain figure. Steph and I have a certain figure that uh, that. You know, we know what we need to provide for our family. We know what we um, we want to do in the community in order, and you know, with regards to tithing or goodwill or donations, and we have that number. And then, you know, the game long term is just to get to the point where um, I can replace both of our salaries as a PT and teacher, uh, which we've done, and that I don't need to be in the clinic. That I can be in the clinic because I want to. Um, 
So, you know, we were able to do that in a relatively short period of time because we understood the power of exponential growth. We constantly first flowed money before we did anything else, before we did expenses, we would flow money back into um, that asset building. So that concludes the lessons of the uh, three masters, um, or my three mentors. And oh, I did share with you um, how I met them and what I do. So when you find somebody who's way far out on the um, X equals Y to the nth curve, and they've had a very successful career, there's a certain level of respect and manners that you can uh, that you can put forth that are immediately going to um, strengthen your relationship. First of all, rule number one is that people that are successful almost always like to flow back to other people. So, uh, you know, I have one of these mentors um, isn't really, I'll say, uh, people prone, but, uh, you know, the amount of respect and uh, good manners that I've showed him. And what do I mean by that? I mean, like when we have a conversation and he focuses a long time on something, I go back immediately to my house or my office and I, I, I write down everything that I understood him to say. So it shows that I'm duplicating. Even in that type of situation, what that does is immediately shows that other person, that potential mentor, that you're serious about learning and that you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. One of the most disparaging things or uh, disrespectful things that you can do is if somebody's giving you advice, you don't necessarily have to do it. But if you blatantly, so this is a person um, that is way out on the x equals or y equals x to the nth. And if you're early on, and if you're going to tell them how to do it, that relationship's over. Uh, that you might as well just forget it. And by the way, this happened. Um, so I had a friend, uh, and that we'll keep this as anonymous as possible, who I set up a meeting with one of my mentors. The mentor gave him amazing advice. And by the way, he didn't actually deliver, he didn't tell him what the advice was. He had my friend walk through step by step by step, little cognition by little cognition, laying into him, questioning every step of the way. And at the end, my friend said, this is what I think the best decision is. Also in agreement with exactly what my mentor said. Now, the, what happened next is why they will never meet again and probably never talk again. The, the guy said, yeah, but here's what I'm going to do anyhow. So it was basically a ton of work on my mentor's part over the course of an hour, hour and a half of walking this person through step by step by step, cog little cognition by little cognition, bringing them to a certain level. And basically, my friend said, hey, by the way, I have this emotional baggage where I can't really make the right decision or the logical decision. So I'm going to make this emotional decision and I'm really going to mess this up. And, you know, it was instantly that was done. That relates, they'll, they'll never talk again. They'll never meet again. My friend has this idea that he's going to go out and, you know, be very successful and that somehow my mentor wants to get back together with him and hear how wrong he is. Forget it <laughs> like that. So if you have the ability to meet with somebody, the best thing you can do is be an amazing listener. Ask really, really intelligent questions, take everything they do and show that you can duplicate that and that you're going to act on it in a positive way and you'll have some lifelong mentorship relationships there. So yeah, I mean, I, I always take notes. I ask if I can write things down. I ask if I can share stories, stuff like that. But that's a crash course in how to find and keep uh, really good mentors. And also, again, hope you enjoyed the three um, the three lessons. Uh, 
from my mentors. Again, I just asked them the question, what's the best lesson that you would want to pass along with regard to finances and money? And this is what they had to say about that. So again, hope you enjoyed this. What's your strategy for boosting your profit margins? In the current industry landscape, margins are slim due to declining reimbursements and the rising cost of doing business. Breakthrough has just released a new course, Profitability Under Pressure. This 13-week masterclass focuses on five key areas in your practice that can help you increase your profits. We'll guide you through creating a financial plan, which is a step overlooked by many other practices. You'll also learn how to renegotiate insurance contracts, evaluate whether cutting ties with lower payers is beneficial, and how to add cash pay services to improve your lifetime patient value. By the end of this course, you'll have improved control over your profit margins and a clear roadmap for future growth. This program is exclusively for private practice owners. You must apply to be accepted. No hops or pops practices. Click the link below to get started.